Thanks to our sponsor, Walker Digital, who have stepped in to help the Numbers Game podcast with their social media. Walker Digital are a digital marketing agency covering strategy, content, video, implementation, and education. The team at Walker have spread the word of our clients and love working with businesses doing good things helping them to grow and reach more people so they can scale and get larger. I know personally, the first thing I did when growing our business was to outsource social media, blogs, and copywriting because I knew it was something that was not the best use of my time. And the team at Walker Digital smashed it. Sometimes you need to walk before you can run. Find out more at their website, wlkr.digital. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The conversations are of a general nature and do not qualify as financial or tax advice. We recommend before you make any financial decisions, you consult a licensed professional. Individuals on the podcast may hold positions in the companies discussed. Welcome to episode 33 of The Numbers Game. I'm Jason and I'm here as always with my co-hosts Nick Riley and Marty V. How are we going today, guys? I'm going brilliantly well, Jason. I'm very excited because we're digging deep in the depths of who Jason Robinson is today. So that's going to be uh, very entertaining, no doubt. So I'm looking forward to that. Nick, how are you going? I'm going well. Then also looking forward to it. Obviously, you and I have had our turn, Marty. So yeah, looking forward to getting to know Jace. A little bit deeper, hopefully learn something that I don't know about you, Jace. And I'm bloody nervous, guys. I don't know why, but all of a sudden I'm a little bit shaky and uh, the, the spotlight's on me and the pressure is turned on. So, uh, no, guys, I'm, I'm excited to to chat a little bit more about who I am and what I do and why we do it and give the listeners a bit of context uh, into why we ramble on about the stuff we do every week. Well, let's get on with it. Let's play. All right, I'm going to rip straight in, Jace. I'm looking forward to this. I want to first know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What did life look like as young Jace? Innocent young Jace. Innocent young Jace. I don't know if that ever existed, Marty. Um, no, so grew up in the southeast suburbs of uh, Melbourne, so out in Endeavour Hills. Um, Mum, dad, and little brother, little brother Simon. Um, yeah, life growing up and, and background. So yeah, went to school at James Cook Primary School, went to high school at Lindale, Dandenong, North Dandenong's finest, and then um, went on to study at Monash University, business and accounting and finance. Um, and then yeah, got stuck into being an accountant, have a gin company, make coffee, do all sorts of fun stuff in life. And um, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Mate, that was way too quick. Jeez, you've gone, you've gone straight to the end, mate. What did, what did, what did <laughs> little, way too quick. what did little Jace like us, to do? For goodness' give sake, give us anything, something. Give, give us something. What did you? Did you play sport? Did you go into the theatre and do ballet? Well, just expand, mate. What did you do? It's like a psychology <laughs> thing. I don't know if I can uh, touch on my childhood. Sit back on the couch. Sit back, sit on, back, the back on the couch and relax, okay, and just listen to my voice. Yes, um, little young Jace uh, played cricket. Loved cricket. Cricket was, um, yeah, something that I, I really enjoyed. Dad would take us to cricket and play with all our mates and played footy as well, but I was shocking at football. I think uh, any of my friends who, who grew up um, with me would know that I was not good at uh, football. Um, still loved it, though. Follow the Bombers, so the Mighty Bombers. And um, Good man. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about, you know, pre, pre, th- those kind of days. And What were you, a batsman or a bowler? Oh, mate, all-rounder, both. Left, left, left arm around the wicket and... Uh, Right, oh, right lefty. lefty, lefty for bowling, but right hand for batsman. Um, okay, yeah, I have a weird, weird kind of, you know, a right left-handed, but I do a lot of things right-handed. Um, it's it's strange. I've always found it a bit, you know, confusing and mind-boggling. And um, yeah, just so say that again. You because I, I left, I'm left-handed with a bat, 
in a golf club. Oh, I'm right hand. I'm right handed. Yeah, I'm, everything I'm the else. Opposite. I'm right handed golf and batting, but left handed riding. Left handed snowboarding. So goofy snowboarding or surfing. Natural. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Weird. Ambidextrous, so they call it. Kick, kick right footed though. So yeah, yeah, I'm left foot kick, right hand bowler. There you go. And right hand batsman. Oh, we are yeah. we a complicated little bunch. That's and, uh, right. Yeah, mm. no, and then grew up, worked at McDonald's. I think working at McDonald's was, uh, you know, really, really fun part of, you know, the childhood and growing up. And How old were you when you started there? 14, nine months in one day. I don't know how fast could you get a job. must have been 14 and nine months. I was raring to go. Wanted to wanted to get into earning my keep and, and making my own money. So so your front desk or in the drive-thru? Were you? Uh, I started in the kitchen, mate. I was, I was in, the, in the kitchen? In the, in the kitchen. Yeah, oh, you're cooking it up. Yeah, cooking, Fantastic. cooking it up. And, there you go. And then I think the day I turned eighteen, I was running the joint. So yeah, it was <laughs> expect nothing <Yeah>. less. <laughs> what does running the joint entail? Standing around and barking orders at fifteen-year-olds, telling them what they needed to do. So no, no, running the joint was yeah, just um, you know, as the supervisor and manager, make sure everything runs smoothly, front of house, back of house, and drive-through times. You had to make sure dangology was uh, happening every time somebody came through the drive-through. It was. Um, Oh, the good old days. It was life was simple. Good disciplines, mate. Hunt, systems and processes. Everything, everything is structured. Everything is done the same way in every store all over the bloody world. So, um, you know, it teaches you a lot. I think um, I look at all the people that worked at McDonald's. You know, either in my organisation today, um, Greg, my business partner, and then you know clients that I've still got to this day that are lifelong friends from that I met at McDonald's between the age of fifteen and probably twenty four or twenty odd, or maybe early twenties when I wrapped up there. Um, you know, the, the structures, the discipline, the systems and processes, the things you learn there, um, even the course that you go through to become a manager and a supervisor, um, the education's quite quite uh, detailed and, and, and incredible um, and sets you up for, you know, a lot of things later on in life. You got into business reasonably early, I would have said mid to late 20s when you first went into business, late 20s. Yep. Why? How? Was there always a drive to get into business? Obviously, you're an accountant, so you would have been un- you know, talking with a lot of business people mm. um, as an accountant. Is that something that you always wanted to do or did you fall into business? Talk us through that. Yeah, good question. Um, I definitely can't pinpoint the moment. Well, actually, I can pinpoint the moment. It wasn't a when I was younger in my teens and early 20s, there was no strategy of what I wanted to do with my life. It wasn't even to become an accountant. It was definitely not to be a business owner. Um, you know, all I, kept, I worked at a surf shop um, after McDonald's. I think you know that had always been something I dreamt of. Like, how cool would it be to work at a surf shop? You know, as a as a young younger kid going into surf shops and looking up at the guys and girls that work there, thinking, "Geez, these guys are cool. These people are cool. They get to wear ripped jeans and t shirts and sell stuff, and that's their job." And then you know, so I always wanted to do that. And when I got the job at the surf shop, um, they sold snowboards, and I used to get uh, snowboarding tickets to go to Buller. Um, so you know, at university studying. I cared more about I cared more about working at the surf shop and then going snowboarding than I kind of did about studying and wanting to complete my degree. Um, so you can kind of see you know how much the mindset shifted between there and and today. But um, towards the end of uni and, and still you know concentrating on snowboarding and and working at the surf shop, um, my business partner and another friend kind of I told him I wasn't going to complete uni and I think I was just going to become a police officer. And they were like what the hell, like how have you worked so hard to to be so far through university to then give it all away and become a police officer? And I just had, I just, I didn't have an idea of, of why or how, what I wanted to do. And, 
you know, but them slapping me around and saying, just do it, like just finish the degree and um, took my first job at an accounting firm uh, called Inside Accounting out in Beaconsfield. And, you know, sure enough, Greg, Greg said to me, just give it a couple of months. Like I want you to actually have a crack at what it's like to be an accountant because I think you're really going to enjoy it and, and love what we do. And I thought, nah, like I've made a mistake here. There's no way I'm going to enjoy being an accountant. This is shit. Like, why would I do that when I can be working at a surf shop and snowboarding or traveling? Like, you know, and sure enough, um, something, something kind of set fire um, in the numbers kind of thing. I, I really liked what the numbers were doing. It told a story. I could, I just got it. And then I could share that knowledge with business owners that were coming in. And from quite a young age, that firm was really good at mentoring and training the younger up-and-coming accountants. And they, they thrust them straight in the face of clients. So I got very, very early, I was, I was given face-to-face access to talk to people about their business and tell them about GST, tell them about their profit and loss. And from, from what they saw in me as a quite outspoken, quite bubbly, um, with a bit of personality. They went, look, we, you know, we need, we need to gear you up to be an advisor more than just sitting behind the scenes doing tax returns. And they sent me to this course called business blueprint up in Sydney. And this was the first time that, that I really understood and knew that I wanted to be a business owner. And I was, I was put in a room of, I think roughly 300 business owners that were being educated on how to run their business. Um, you know, vision, mission, um, goals, values, targets, um, marketing, the whole thing. This was a business education course. And every quarter I'd go there for a couple of days over an intensive weekend of learning surrounded by business owners. But I was an employee. I was probably the only employee in a room of 300 because my boss at the time subbed out and subbed me into the course. I don't know. I think it was he had to apply and ask them for special permission to send me instead because I wasn't the business owner. And, and I remember the business owners in the room looking at me going, oh, you're young. You don't understand what it's like to be a business owner. Oh, you don't get the stresses and struggles we're going through as a business owner. And, and that hit me. It hit me quite like, you know, I was like, well, well no, I don't, but I, I can help you. Like I, can, I felt that I could genuinely help these people have better lives, you know, because I understood some of the struggles they were going through, but they didn't want to listen to me because I was just an employee for some accounting firm. And, and that for me, I understood at that point, I'm like, I need to change that. I need I need to find a, a platform where I can change that, that accountants can help whether a business owner or not. Uh, but for me, the fire was lit well and truly. Um, and a, lot, a few of those people at the Business Blueprint conferences are now my clients. And we often talk back to those days. They've been clients and friends for 10 years now or, you know, for a long period of time. And um, I, I just knew from that point forward, um, it, that would have been, I would have been mid twenties at that stage, um, that, that I had to start to put things in place and get experiences that were going to help me to become a business owner for the purpose of being able to help other people. It's good. Yeah. I like it. It's really powerful, mate. Do you have a moment where you go, I am going in business? Like, do you have a moment? Was it at that at that course or where you just go, it just hit you like a lightning bolt because you could have well and truly been a cop, (laughs) you know, based on your own decision. But generally there's a moment where you're going, this is it. I'm taking that chance. There is. I I was very fortunate. I think – I'm a universe guy, right? Like things, things happen in the universe where you get pushed and pulled in different directions. And, and I think everything's happened for a reason. And that, that's the way my philosophy on life. And I went to a conference networking, met a guy, and he was basically this, this I'm not a sales guy. He's a good guy, but, but he, he wanted to sell self-managed super fund audits to that accounting firm, Inside Accounting, where I was working. 
But his pitch to me was, if you can get me in so that I'm doing the self-managed super fund audits, I'll give you an all expenses paid trip to Bali to come to this accounting conference. And I was like, man, no brainer. Like your product's good. My firm need that. No stress. So I ended up going to Bali as part of this accounting conference thing. So it all kind of fell into place. I met a guy there who said to me, you're going to come and work for me. And I was like, man, who's, who's this guy? Like, where's, where's he got this cheek and attitude and kind of confidence? He owned his own accounting firm in South Melbourne. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, you, you don't know it yet, but you're going to come and work for me. And I was like, no, nah, man, I love my job where I am. My bosses are awesome. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm loyal to them. And, and he goes, no, no, no. Like, pick a time and day. Just come and meet me and, and we'll chat. And I said, well, no, my firm's busy for July, August, September. Maybe in October, I might come and meet you. And, and that was it. We had a shitload of beers and had fun on the beach in Bali or a conference in Bali. And sure enough, three months later, October rolled around and my phone rang. And I was like, who's this random number? And it was the guy. And it was, um, his name's Brent Saleh from Seaver. And he went, Jace, you're going to come have the meeting? Remember how I told you you were going to come and work for me? Like, this is it. Come come have the meeting. And I was just shocked by his, his you know, that audacity and that confidence. I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go meet this guy and just tell him that I'm not interested. And then sure enough, I went to work for him. <laughs> I basically took the job on the spot in the first meeting and, and I was just blown away by the the vision, the values, the culture of the accounting firm he'd built. Um, he's a great mentor um, a, and he's very well known in the CPA environment. I, I wanted to be a CPA and I was doing the CPA course and, you know, long-winded version of what the story of the, the point where I knew Brent had inspired me so much where I got to see the way he'd built his accounting firm and the way he impacted his clients' lives. He ran these business strategy workshops where I'd sit there taking notes and I would be blown away by the reactions and the emotions he could pull out of a business owner to get them to think about why they have their business and how it affects their families' lives. And, you know, it, I thought about wanting to be a partner in that accounting firm with Brent and with Seaver. And at the time I was young and and probably wasn't the right fit. And my attitude probably wasn't right. And, you know, Greg was working around the corner. Um, my best mate, we'd worked at McDonald's together. He was an accountant as well. He'd worked at Inside Accounting with me. And we just got talking and said, well, you know, what if we did it ourselves? You know, like, and, and it wasn't, just, you know, I, I loved Brent and Brent's firm, but it was clear that at that point in time, it wasn't right for me and what I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't going to get the opportunity to become a partner at my age. I was probably going to have to work for another five or six years and then pay millions of dollars to buy in. And that wasn't the path that, that I was going to take. And it was to to start from scratch and build something up with everything I'd learned along the way from mentors, business blueprint, my own research, books that I'd read. And and that was at that point at Siva where I felt like I'd had enough mentoring from a great business leader to be able to then flick the switch and jump out and, and have a crack myself. That's so brilliant. The moment moment of inspiration and, and, and having having courage to take that chance then to move on from it uh, is brilliant. I think we've all been in those moments, but yeah, well done for you for taking that chance because uh, not many do. I'm, I'm super appreciative of Brent to this day. Absolutely. Um, we, we, had, we had bumps in the road after I left his firm. You know, there were some things that I'd change today if I had my time again, but I've had to learn from those lessons. And um, Brent's a, a divisional council member of the CPA. Um, and through Brenton, you know, I was inspired to want to go down that journey too. Um, and now I'm I'm a guest in the uh, public practice council of the CPA at the moment. I was on that meeting this morning before this podcast, and and I actually feel like I can make a difference in the industry. Um, you know, from my experiences, are probably quite different to the practitioners that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and what they've seen and how they're running their practices. 
Um, and I've got, you know, Brent as a, someone who inspired me to, to be taking this path. So yeah, very grateful to this day for, for the mentorship I received under Brent. It's yeah. I love what you said there about there's things you would do different and you know, it's, it's just, just owning that and then understanding that, okay, well, you know, I probably didn't handle that the best way. And what have I learned from it? Mm. And you know, next time you're in that, um, you're in a moment that's similar, you, you're going to react in a different way. And it's, it's, it's a really good lead into my next question. Um, one of the things I know about you and Marty does, but a lot of people would not know, is that you have uh, this is actually your second your second mm-hmm. business, um, your first business. Um, you went uh, op- opposite directions with some other business partners, um, but that that was actually a really good business, and um, that business still operates and and whatnot. But then you've gone and done it all again. So talk us through that, the drive to do that, you know. Why is it that you did that again? A lot of people just would have went, mm. I'm not doing that again. Yep. Uh, and went and worked for someone, but you didn't do that. So yeah, I yeah. think it's um, unfinished unfinished business towards the mission or the vision, um, you know, kind of keeps keeps the wheels turning and keeps the drive there. But it was it was very, really difficult. I mean, to, to build a business up for years and years and years and get it to a place in the market where it was quite well known, award winning, respected by its peers um, and other people in the industry, and then to walk away from it and start from scratch. Um, we had team members that came with us, we had clients that came with us, but but it was fundamentally building everything from the ground up, you know, signing up for software subscriptions, building a website, um, starting to rank again on Google, getting Google reviews, like everything that, that you do in a business over a long period of time that is so rewarding and takes a lot of effort. We started with nothing again a year ago. Um, and it was, yeah, it was damn hard. It was, uh, you know, being surrounded by a supportive team and fantastic business partners. So I've still got two business partners, um, and an amazing team that came out of the old business. And, you know, it was sitting together, reflecting on what had happened, um, just in a way of like, you know, this didn't work out, but it didn't work out because, you know, for for the right reasons that, you know, heading in different directions. And we're able to sit down with our team and go, cool, we've got an opportunity now to do this our way. And that is to be to be different, to be out there, to be colourful, to have personality that's above and beyond what most accounting firms would project out into the market. And that got our team excited. And and you know, seeing the excitement in that team allowed us to continue to have the drive. But mind you, this is in the middle of a global pandemic. This is mid-COVID. You know, it, it happened twelve months ago. We were st- we were in lockdown um, when the when the new business was formed. And I remember making a. A call to the team, we had 14 people joined a Zoom call on a Saturday morning to make the announcement that we were no longer going to be called the old business and and we were going to start a new accounting brand. And the team were in shock. Like they didn't know, you know, because it was all, you know, we had to to work out what we're doing first before we could make the announcement. And, um, you know, where where I kind of got, I was scared. I I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but where I kind of turned that all around was seeing the 14 people on that Zoom call when we made the announcement they just snapped into action. They went, cool, how do we help? What are the steps? How are we doing this so that in four days we can open a brand new accounting firm? And in four days, these 14 amazing people worked 12 hours to 15 hours a day to rebuild the firm from scratch. I didn't do it alone. And I think that's like the the most amazing thing that gives me energy is that I'm not alone on this journey because people have bought into where we're going and what we do. And um, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. But 
It's, it's, it's been hard. I mean, and look, you still have days where you go, what the hell are we doing? Like, why are we working so hard? They can't, you know, why is it, why is it so difficult? And you got to go back to that, that purpose of why we exist, what, why I personally do what I do as an individual and then why the business exists. And, you know, if there's alignment in, in that and people feel the passion in that purpose and, and get around you, you know, it, it keeps you going, keeps you on that page. So true. There isn't anything worthwhile achieved, mate, without, with less effort. And um, I haven't seen it yet. And if you find it, let me know. But it's, um, it is. It takes effort. And like you talked about your vision, you talked about the excitement of the people in the room. I think when you're all striving towards something together, uh, there's, there's a real energy about that. And it's amazing what people are willing to do to make that, make that happen. Like you see, you have people really step up and, surprise you and it's it's uh it's exciting for all the hard work there's a real sense of excitement i think that comes with that as well it's i'm sure there's a dopamine hit in it uh because it's um you know you got to absorb a lot of pressure and uh come out the other side numerous times um i'm gonna i'm gonna veer off a little bit um you've been on the earth about 34 years now is that right about yeah, i'm gonna roll with 33 for another 30, month 33 um, but yeah yeah turn turn 34 the day before my wedding uh, on december 10th so 34 on december 9th and married on december 10th to the beautiful casey um so yeah that's that's been yeah sorry not gonna hijack your question no but no no Good. 33 Just, uh- had to throw. Of- had to get her a mention just just in case she listens. She's about twenty episodes behind, so I, don't, I, I think we're safe for a little <laughs> You'll while. You'll be well and truly married by the time she listens to this one. That's, That's it. Um, what's been your biggest lesson in life so far? I'm not necessarily. I don't care if it's business or just personal. Uh, what what have you What have you learnt in life that you take away and you apply? Yeah, it's a big question. I know it's a general question, but yeah, it's, it's something that stands out. I pre I pre thought about this question, and and it. Sorry, give me a second. It's hard hard to get it the words out, but time time is precious, and you can't get it back. I'll get it through. I lost mum earlier this year, and I'd always thought there'd be more time. I think the biggest lesson I learned is that you can't take that for granted. And, you know, at 33, I always thought there was more time and my mum was 60. And I'd always just... Sorry, give me a sec. Take your time, mate. I always just thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought, look, I just had the mindset, you know, I was focusing on business. I was focused on growing companies and having fun and doing all those things with your friends and, you know, living in South Yarra and doing stuff in the city and... You know, and I saw I saw mum a lot. You know, weekly visit or a fortnightly visit. But there's just one of one of our and and you know to one of our team members lost her mum a few weeks before I lost my mum of similar age. And at her mum's funeral, she said, "You think there's more time, and then it's gone." And she, she you know that and that was I took that lesson on board and and in that couple of weeks after her mum passed i try i upped the amount of time i spent with my mum and and i didn't know mum mum died suddenly and shockingly and you know i didn't know that was going to happen so i'm forever grateful for that extra four week period between that and that where i you know case and i one evening said let's let's take your mum and dad out for dinner on a wednesday night and you know case went and picked them up from endeavor hills drove them back to our favorite restaurant you know, near our place so that we could have a dinner together. 
And then we paid for an Uber home for them. And that was the last dinner that I got to have with my mum. She died the week after. And it's little things like that that we we weren't going to do. Like we would never have done that in the past. But because of that lesson, you know, that lesson from a few weeks earlier of life is short, time, you know, you think you've got more time and then it's gone. So that's that's my biggest lesson. And it's a recent one. Um, and it's been a hard one. It's huge. Mm. It's uh, like I went through it last year myself, mate. So I could I can empathise and um, and like you said, uh, money money businesses, you know, come and go, but time mm. just goes. And uh, and to for me to reconcile was like there's only pain because there's love there. Mm. And and and, it's, and, uh, and I had people talk to me about it and said that. Um, I, I kept saying to myself, my logical brain was going, I've got to get over this. Yeah, you know, I've got to get over this, got to move on. But yeah. um, I had some really good people in my life that said, no, you shouldn't. You should never get over it because yeah. you loved her. And, and, look, um, and she'll always be a part of your life. And it, you're, you're a representation of her, you know, and how you live and she would want you to be happy. Mm. And, and even just that chat, you know, meant, meant the world to me because it was like I was, you know, I was going through a lot of conflict in, you know, spending time in areas probably not with her and and it's um but it's amazing. It's only now, what is it, a year and a half, not mm. even onwards, where I'm starting to feel like I'm actually coming through the other side as well. So it is what it is and uh, you feel what yep. you feel. Yeah. Yep. It's a big one. This is a true this is the truth, Jace. I think after attending your your mum's funeral, which I did with an, another friend of ours. It actually made me think about um, my own mm. circumstance, you know, and hopefully mum's not listening <laughs> to this, but um, I'm sure there's a lot of young people out there who can relate to this. Oh, fuck, mum's calling. Yeah. Um, that's all right. I'll, I'll call her back. What does she want to talk about? Probably something that I'm not interested in, mm-hmm. but, you know, and I, and I, I say that, I obviously love my mum, but I think that a lot of people would have had those calls and those times, but... You make the call and you call them back and you make the time mm. because as you get older, um, you start to see things happen around you, you know, like you've lost your mum, Marty's lost his mum, I lost a close mate of mine only a couple of months ago who was in his mid-40s and the older you get, you just realise that, shit, we're not indestructible, uh, things happen and you've got to make sure that you're spending your time wisely and it. Not to just not to just take it back to business, but in the last episode we talked about the mm. vision, and it's like, well, you spend so much time doing what you're doing. Why are you doing yeah. it if it's not really what you want to do, and it's not where you want to go, and it's not it's not going to give you what you want in life, both you know, business and personally. Like it just doesn't make sense to be spending time where it's not warranted. And um, mm. one of the biggest things I I've learned, which I said in, um, I'm not trying to hijack you <laughs> no, here. I'm trying right. to support you, Give but me time um, to recover. Well, the, the the biggest one of my biggest lessons that I that I mentioned last time was learning to say no, mm. like say no to things that you know you shouldn't be doing and that aren't going to add value and aren't going to, you know, it's going to take you from spending time where you want to spend it. Um, and I think yeah, the older and the wiser we get, the more we realise that, and you just got to make it's sure good, it's not too late. Good point, mate. And I mm. I think about. It, it's it gives you so much perspective in life and and I look at it from a point of view as I remember moments you remember moments as a five-year-old boy you know with your mum I, I remember mum would always want me to dance when we went when we went out at a function to dance with her son was something quite remarkable and she'd always want pictures on it and I remember these moments and mm. the perspective for me is to create those moments with Charlie and Cole and the people I love 
So I go, because when I get to that end of the journey, uh, you know, you want to have the people that you love, you know, that love you back. You, you've got mm-hmm. those shared moments. And I think it was a real focus of perspective for me to keep being present and keep having those moments uh, personally. And I think that was the, you know, I'm very grateful for my time that uh, that I had with grandma, mom, all the people that have moved on. Uh, but, yeah, that that's a big perspective is is – keep creating wonderful moments that when people look back, they'll be feeling like I feel now about mum. Mm. And um, I know <laughs> probably going off on a tangent here, but, but that's certainly something that I, I came to terms with is I want to create more of those memorable moments in, in, in the lives of the people I love and for myself too. So, All right. Should we lighten this up a yeah. bit? or Yeah, it's, it's uh, <laughs> We'll be getting people <laughs> calling and crying. No, I went through <laughs> yeah. this too. Is Jace all right? He's okay. We've got him. We're giving him a big hug. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Fun fact that we don't know about Jason Robinson. Oh, jeez. Um, that's a good one. Can't cook. Terrible cook. So Casey's a good cook then? Casey's a fantastic cook. Uh, fun fact, I don't know. Look, I, I've got a love affair for Bali. I think I've been to Bali um, two times a year for nearly 10 years. Um, don't know why. Just really like... like um, I don't know if that fits, fits into a fun fact, but the way I kind of lived life for a long time was in like six-month sprints. Um, I would put in, and this probably goes back to the reflecting on the biggest regret of uh, not not kind of slowing down and making more time for other things, but I'd work in a sprint. I'd, I'd set my business goals for the quarter or the half year. Um, I'd set goals full stop um, overall, and I'd, I'd work my absolute ass off in all areas of life, and I'd go at every area of life 100 miles an hour until I'd almost collapse. And then the holiday was the recharge, and, and Bali was a, a place where I'd do that every every six months or at least every year. Um, case is the same big big love affair with Bali so it was something we could we could um, do together uh, especially over the last four years pre-COVID anyway um, we went to Bali quite a fair bit but um, yeah that was that was the, the the philosophy or the way of life was uh, yeah, go go great guns and then recharge for a couple of weeks in Bali it'd be join a gym over there do lots of exercise eat great food get lots of massages work on the vision and, and reset and come back and do it all again um, so it's a good one. Yeah. I think, look, I think, you know, the, the fun fact that always kind of, uh, you know, even last night at dinner, um, you know, somebody being like, hang on, you got a gin company? You make gin? Um, that's something outside of outside of accounting, you know, while it is business. Um, it's so different from my day-to-day world of an accountant running a business in, in the accounting and advisory space that then when you can appreciate the you know e-commerce side of an online store that ships things and you rely on Australia Post and shipping and freight and even the production facility of alcohol and excise tax and all these different things so having a having a hand in a gin company um, has been been really interesting and, and probably another interesting fact that's different for for a lot what of- inspired gin what, like what was the why gin uh, just just a client came in and said he's gonna he's gonna do a gin thing and and I'm I'm a sucker for any clients that have like investment opportunities and you know accountants are fortunate we we're in a in a room with a lot of you know cool business owners doing cool things and we often get the opportunity to invest or you know get involved in in businesses from the start and he said him and his mates were putting twenty grand in um, to do a batch of gin and they're going to see how it went and I said oh geez I wish I could get involved in something like that and and he said well we don't have an accountant for that, for that company. Like, you know, why don't you throw some money in? And, and um, at that stage, I think there was about 10, 10 investors. 
and then the gin ended up being fantastic. It was it was beautiful, beautiful gin, and there was a few people that wanted to take it a little bit more seriously, and then a few of the investors didn't. So, over a period of time, um, people were bought out of that gin company. It's down to four shareholdings now instead of ten, um, and it's it's a totally different business now to what it was a couple of years ago. Um, it's it's going gangbusters, um, especially in the lead up to Christmas, um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all those kind of online sales. Um, it's available, yeah, deathgin.com. Dan Murphy's has it on their online store. There's a few bottle shops around Melbourne and um, it's just taken us a bit by surprise. I think COVID definitely helped um, the online alcohol sales, that's for sure. So how do you make money in gym? Are you actually producing the alcohol or are you creating it or are you wholesaling? Yeah, a bit of everything. So we, we would make more money if we had our own still, um, yep. you know, with excise tax rebates. Um, that's where you, you need to be able to do that to make any decent money. Um, while this isn't a hobby and it's gone beyond a hobby, um, you know, the it's the online game What is what helps our business to remain profitable. If, you, if we were relying on wholesale, because we subcontract a still, we're paying margin to the team yep. that are making the gin. Then, you know, if you're wholesaling that to just bars and bottle shops, there's not a lot of margin left in it. But our online store, um, you know, is fantastic for us. It's um, people, people, we have a following of people that love our gin and just keep coming back and buying more. And, um, you know, it's proof in the pudding that, you know, if you have a good product and, and you know, good brand, um, people will continue to support that. So. So, awesome. so I'm going to I'm going to test you on this. How do you how do you blow this up and take it to the next level in your mind? When you think about where you're at with that gin company, what do you do to just take it to another level? Is there anything that comes to mind? It'd be a strategic partnership like to get somebody involved who's got a still and can increase production capacity. Or it's, you know, going all in with the existing business partners and doing the investment to buy a still and putting on our own um, distiller to make the gin ourselves and then get the excise tax rebates and then blow it up from there. So, I mean, and what would something like that cost to buy? It's probably, it's a probably 100 to 200 grand investment to get okay. it all off the ground. So, Feasible. Yep. Feasible. Yeah. It's, um, I guess it's just... Time, time, energy, effort, focus. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got a bit going on. Well, at the moment, at the moment, you know, the beauty of it is that it's not a huge time constraint, but it is something fun and different. And and it's one stage. It was almost um, meditative to go and bottle gin, to stick labels on a bottle of gin and talk shit with your mates. Um, it was like you know getting away from the crazy world that was COVID and accounting and tax, and just to be standing in a in a distillery bottling and wax sealing bottles of gin was like this is this is calming and soothing it's something different that just gives the brain a bit of a rest but it's still something that i'm passionate about and was working on so that's really cool Uh, sometimes we get whispers in life and uh like i said you just get the feeling that's going pretty well mate so i I feel the same way mowing lawns very meditative (laughs) Uh, yeah maybe i might ring uh jim's mowing up and uh little little saturday gig gig. (laughs) get charlie working yes there you go now you're thinking nick Yeah, yeah, economies of scale. You had a couple of people below you. You're laughing. Another question for you, Jace, from me. Yep. What do you believe now that you didn't believe five years ago? This is this is relatively recent revelations and and probably a mindset that I haven't fully adapted to yet and taken on board. But crypto. <laughs> oh, mate, you had, we had to get crypto into every episode didn't we, to hit our sponsorship dollars from our Bitcoin. So, uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. No, um, mental health, you know, five years ago, 
there, there wouldn't have been the talk about mental health. There wouldn't have been the openness around mental health and talking about struggling and not being okay. Um, I think, you know, five years ago compared to now, it was that I was invincible and that I could, I, I could, you know, nothing would phase me and that I'd, I'd be fine and I could work stupid hours and I didn't need to sleep and I could drink, you know, multiple times per week and bounce back and, you know, the lessons that we touched on earlier of, you know, like life, life is precious and fragile and time, time is limited. The, what, what I didn't believe five years ago was how important, you know, the mental health factor was to, to our day-to-day lives, meditation, taking time out, finding balance, um, in what we do. I didn't have that five years ago. Um, you know, and that's something that, that I truly can appreciate now. And I know that I'm, I am going to break if I don't continue to find ways to put more of that stuff into my life. You know, I think we touched on it in, in previous episodes about, you know, meditating or time offline away from technology, reading books. Um, you know, I, I was an avid reader more than five years ago. I read heaps. I read lots of books. I've got a huge book collection. And then for the last couple of years, I, I didn't read as much or almost anything because I was just so busy in the day to day just doing it. Um, you know, and, and meditation and reading books for me is something that's a, it's a switch off mechanism to calm down and relax. Um, so for me, yeah, now it's, it's, and, and the, when I said, it's not something I've fully implemented or put into my life just yet, it's, I truly believe that's going to be a huge area of focus moving forward. Um, so that I can, I can con- continue to be a, a great person and a great leader, um, I've got to set the example and the example isn't to work a 60 hour week and feel like crap about it and not see my family and friends. It's to wind that back and find balance. And, you know, the, the theme I want to set moving into next year is to find sustainability, something that's feels smooth and, and controlled. Whereas, you know, for the last 12 months or more with COVID, I think there's been a sense of feeling out of control. I think too is what I can tell from you, Jace, is how much awareness you have for someone at 34 years of age or 33 years of age going on to yeah, 34. Be careful, be careful. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> but um, your your awareness is right up there and I think that's uh, yeah, just understanding yourself better and, and, and making those adjustments in real time. And I think it's all about awareness. Um, the older you get, you certainly – your parameters widen and you make adjustments and you're certainly doing that. I, I even think about – I went through a phase where I was reading a hell of a lot of books because I thought that's what smart people did, mm. right? And But what I realized was um, I'm, I'm not very good just being stationary. So for me, audio books are brilliant because I can walk. Mm. And for me, that's my meditation or a podcast. Um, I, I love being in movement and gathering information while I'm in movement. And it's sort of understanding your own operating patterns and um, not thinking about what everyone else does or everyone else says that, that you should be doing. And I think that's honoring yourself. That That's the one big one I've learned is honoring my own ways of operating in the world, not judging myself through other people's lenses. But I love the awareness that you're already hitting at, a, at an early age in my mind. So, yeah, it's brilliant, mate. Yeah, I think the more you go through and the busier you get, the more you start to value that stuff, don't you? And and the more, when I say value, the importance, and you start to really understand the importance that it has on every other aspect of what you do. Um, and, you know, I've spoken about it before, but for me, it's number one mm. because if, it, if that doesn't happen, everything else falls apart. 
So I think as you get older, you start to realise that stuff. Yeah, it's a real honour to yourself. And then that honours others by, you know, as, as a surplus thing. But it's really honouring who you are and how you want to live in the world. I think it's powerful, mate. But in saying that, um, what does life look like for Jason Robinson when he's 50? How does the business look like? What do you hope it looks like? How do you hope you're you're living in the world at that pay, at that time? Um, look, after nearly two years of having a COVID delayed uh, wedding, um, hopefully still married uh, to the beautiful case uh, at fifty, um, and then something that we've unpacked over that time as well is um, that we we do want to have children. Um, so that that was something that you know a couple of years ago was a you know. We, we weren't we weren't interested we were thinking we weren't going to be a mum and a dad and that's even if life allows us to to do that I mean until you start trying you don't know um, but that's something you know so at 50 what am I now 34 got to do 33 got to do the maths but yeah hopefully hopefully got a couple of teenagers running around uh, the business um, the mindset around the business it was always to build something that would stand the test of time. You know, I think um, in the vision episode, we didn't touch on it, but we talked about it in the planning notes was, you know, the hundred year vision and, and what that looks like. And, you know, the first the first business plan we did was we talked about what our company would be doing in a hundred years. And we looked at, you know, PwC and KPMG and said, well, in a hundred years, they're just, they're letters on the side of a building. So, you know, if we're going to stand the test of time and be able to compete with that, then then that's what our business needs to be too. So we've already kind of started to think about that a year in, is that this business needs to live beyond Jace, Greg and Shelley. Like it's got to go beyond that. It, this business is not us. It's got to be its own, its own basically living, breathing thing that lives beyond us. Um, so I hope at 50, you know, the business has well and truly surpassed me. Um, you know, I, I want to be in legacy mode. Um, it says 50, but- I love the industry. I love the accounting space and I love how we impact business owners' lives. So I hope to be working in an area where I'm helping accountants to have better accounting firms, which helps business owners to have better businesses. And that's that's kind of a, a mentor coaching kind of role down the track uh, while the accounting firm is still doing really, really well. And um, yeah, and continuing to find that balance. Um and maybe maybe the gin company's done something, the coffee company's done something, a few other in- investments and ventures are doing cool things. But yeah, it's exciting to think that, you know, that's while well, that's 17 years away, um, you know, think about how fast the, the first 33 years of life has gone and, and how much has changed in that time. So, yeah, we'll, and we'll probably be all spending our Bitcoin every day. <laughs> Possibly, but who knows? We might, we might all still be trying to find it. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. It's If there's any accountants listening or people thinking about going into accountancy, just listening to you talk about it in that way, um, I, I think would steer people in a new direction. Because like you said, we talk about numbers are numbers and you know they can be a bit dry sometimes, and, but we talk about the ability to make those numbers dance on a page mm. for business owners and for mortgage brokers. And, and what I just heard then was I could see the impact on people's lives you were having and we happen to use accountancy to do that. Mm. And I think that's the real emotive that while we all do things, we put people in a better position. You know, it happens to be money, but that's that fundamental want is to drive, you know, better experiences for people and better businesses. I really like the way you spoke about that. And I yeah. think that would make people contemplating either going into accountancy or who are in accountancy thinking, well, what more is there to uh, reevaluate? It was really well said. 
I hope that's I hope that does hit some people and, and, and inspires them in that way. I think the accounting industry is probably lacking the next gen coming through. Um, you know, it, it, they're calling it the war on talent at the moment. There's just not a lot coming through, and whether that's you know a lack of um, international um, study is coming in, um, or a lack of high schools and universities being able to steer people towards you know the public practice accounting space. Um, I'm fortunate to be on the Zero Partner Advisory Council and now working with CPA as well. So I'm seeing kind of the inner sanctum of of worlds that are associated with the ATO and the ABS and what Zero does with government what the CPA do with government. So I'm, I'm getting a lot of information coming into me that I'm I'm then able to give the feedback straight back to people, like big companies that can make a difference as well. And it's actually really rewarding to have them want my opinion. And, and it feels special and it feels really nice for them to go, well, Jace, what would you do? How would you influence the sector at the moment? Or what would you do with this to make business owners or, or you know, people have better lives in this aspect and and it's yeah it's it, it drives me every day it's um yeah and i really enjoy it so hope so hope it works yeah, fantastic share mate really That's great good, share. yeah take us out with something uh take us out with something inspirational a piece of life advice or business advice that uh we can all take into our day and apply for oh, life advice or business advice that we can all apply come on mate Give us something. Give us something. Give us something exciting oh, to take into a big piece day. Of gold. Give us some gold. Jeez, pressure's on, guys. Look, the the thing that that someone told me a long time ago was was around reading, and and that was that I think it's a Jim Rohn saying. It's who you are in five years is defined by the quality of books you read today. And I think back to five years ago or 10 years ago, the books I was reading, and they have shaped and defined the person I am today, the, the lessons, the learnings, and, and everything that I've got out of those. And I've said it to my team, um, you know, if, if they're not reading and they're not getting that extra education, then, you know, they're, they're not bettering themselves and putting themselves further ahead in life. And reading now is not just reading a book. As you said, there's podcasts, there's audio books. Um, but there's so many ways we can better ourselves uh, and invest in ourselves from an education point of view. And I think that's that's probably my my biggest thing is education and investing in yourself, you know, whatever it is, whatever that thing you're looking to work towards in your life, and whether that is having more balance and and being healthier. Um, you know, doing more fitness, you know, Greg's just ran for nearly 400 days and lost 15 kilos. He's an inspiration to me that, that he's done that, but he invested time into himself. Um, so my advice is, you know, invest in yourself, look after yourself, um, you know, education, health, fitness, whatever that looks like, and just find ways to put back into you. Um, you only get one, you only get one you and one life, um, you know, on the, the, you know, the stuff we touched on earlier, it's hitting me harder than ever that, you know, life is fragile and, um, yeah, look after yourself. Can relate to all of that. So, yeah, very well said. Well, thank you, Jason Robinson. This was, uh, I think, a really enlightening discussion. Uh, we laughed. We cried. We uh, had everything in between that as well. So thanks, mate, for sharing your journey and your adventure. Uh, we appreciate it and we know it's going to add value to our listeners out there. And if you are inspired by something, please uh, touch base with us and uh, we're always happy to have a chat as well. So until next time, game over.